0: That is my current phase of motherhood. I don't know about you. In fact, my daughter came down from first service crying because her, she wanted a pink sucker and she had a pink sucker. So I'm Jen and I get to speak to you today on Mother's Day, which I am very excited and honored to do. So I just want to wish all of you happy Mother's Day. Um, sorry, guys and kids, you've ran out of time. Today is Mother's Day, so I suggest if you didn't give them a gift, go home and clean the house, let them rest, massage their feet, do something good for them. Um, But my goal this morning is that uh, you would feel seen today as moms in the room, in whatever phase you find yourself in, in motherhood. Maybe it's the waiting, maybe it's the expecting, I know I look a little bit slimmer than the last time I spoke up here, but uh, baby quarantina here, a couple months, so I heard black is slimming, but I'm not really getting that vibe. (laughs) So if you find yourself in the expecting, or maybe it's the toddler chaos like myself, or middle school moods, high school challenges, empty nesters, maybe you're a single mom, maybe you are experiencing some loss, Maybe you're in the greatness that is grandmahood, so my mom tells me all the time. Um, I hope that you would feel honored and appreciated and that you would feel like wherever you are in your journey of motherhood, it matters, and you deserve to be appreciated today. I had this life-changing moment a few years back with a coworker of mine, and it's forever changed the way that Mother's Day feels for me and it was with a coworker of mine uh we got married a few months apart from each other and a year into my marriage i got pregnant with my oldest hunter and so naturally we started having these conversations about when she would become a mom and then i had my son Knox and we continued to have those conversations and It was the purest of intentions on my end, yet there was an ignorance in not knowing what she could possibly be going through. And so about two and a half years into these conversations, she let me know that she was expecting. And then she began to tell me that they had been trying for about two and a half years. And like a highlight reel to my head, every time I asked her, when are you going to become a mom? When are you going to get pregnant? Uh, all the complaint, all the complaining about being pregnant and everything that comes with it, the waddling, the sickness, the sleepless nights with the newborn, how she must have felt in those moments, and how she probably was longing for any of that. And I was so thankful that day for the grace that she extended to me, because she didn't have to, but she taught me a lesson that day. And Every Mother's Day I think about her and her two little kids now and I think about moms like her that are in the waiting and I think about moms who have maybe a strange relationships with their kids right now and they just are hoping for a phone call today. And I think about people like my friend Carmen who earlier this year her dad was fighting for his life in the ICU for weeks with COVID and she unexpectedly lost her mom at home. And I think about how this day must feel for her and how she's probably been dreading it. And all of those phases of motherhood, they matter and they all deserve to feel appreciated with where they're at in their journey. And so if you find yourself in any segment of that today, I truly hope that you feel honored today and that you feel seen. And that all of where you're at matters. We're in the middle of this series called Vivid and it's about this awakening. It's about feeling seen and Danny spoke last week about our North Star and how it's not enough to just know where we're going and who we're following but we have to be willing to put in the work. And so today I get to talk to you about our South Star and this idea that all of where we're at matters. And it's going to require you to start doing some of that work, if, if you choose to, about figuring out where you've come from, from where, what you've gone through, maybe what you're currently going through, and to acknowledge that all of it matters. Today, we're going to dig in to the early story of David which may seem like a little odd to talk about on Mother's Day, but I hope that you'll stick with me. I believe that Scripture is best read by putting yourself in the context and the culture and the character of what you're reading. And at different phases of your life, you're going to get different things. So to the men in the room and to the kids, maybe you're not in the motherhood phase of life yet, um, I think if, if you'll allow it, that God has something in today's message for you, too. So don't count me out. You see, David is really the South Star in Scripture. He's the beginning of the lineage of Christ. Everything that he did, it mattered. The decisions he made, his attitude, the things he clothed himself in, all of that mattered. So the context... Of David at this point before we dive into like the main part of Scripture today is That he is the youngest of eight Eight brothers and I don't know how many of you have boys at home little boys specifically, but they're loud and they're messy and they're destructive and they're very loud and so I Just like a moment of silence for David's mom because eight brothers is no small feat Thankfully, this is a girl, so I got like an even playing field, but poor David's mom. He's a shepherd boy in Bethlehem, and at the time of his youth, Saul is the anointed king, and Saul starts to disobey God. And so God sends out Samuel, who's a prophet, to the house of Jesse to anoint a new king. And when Samuel gets to Jesse's house, Jesse brings forth seven of, of his sons, and they all look like they could fit the part. And so Samuel looks at the first, and God says no. And Saul must, Samuel must have been thinking, well, he looks perfectly fine. Okay, God, how about this one? This one looks great. And God says no. And he reminds him in 1 Samuel 16:7, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Samuel goes through the seven sons, and he says, do you have any others? And you can tell Jesse kind of already discounted David, and he says, well, I have a younger one, but he's out in the fields." And Samuel says, bring him forward. In fact, we're not going to eat until you do, so might as well put a little pep in your step. So David (laughs) comes forward, and Samuel says, That's the one. And I think that's so cool because God tells Samuel that he looks at the heart. There was something about David when he entered the room that Samuel knew. And so in the presence of his brothers, David was anointed king. And if you are a younger sibling, you know that had to have felt great. I mean, I only have one older brother, but I would kind of be like, yep, that was me, little shepherd boy here. Uh, so he anoints him, and we read that the spirit of the Lord falls on him that day. And then the story kind of does like this fast forward, which the Bible tends to do a lot, where like these miraculous things happen, and then it's like, and then Jesus is walking by the shore, and it's like, wait a minute, can we just close that thought here? Like this young boy is anointed the next king, and then what? Like does he go brush his teeth? Does he like go like wrestle with his brothers? What is it, like what happens? And I just can't imagine David in that moment. The the only thing I can equate it to is like having a baby, and they put the baby in the back seat of your car, and like your life is still happening, but your life just changed because this thing is screaming at you, and you're now responsible for it, and you have no idea what you're doing. You're just winging it, you, and your husband's all driving confidently, but he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, and like life still has happened, but something's changed, and that's David. You see, he just inherited the kingdomship, yet he headed out to shepherd the next morning. And the Bible tells us that David was a king after God's own heart. And I believe that was formed in the fields as a shepherd. You see, David had this future of kingdomship, but he knew that what he did on the journey, it mattered. So the story continues that God's spirit departs from Saul, and this evil spirit begins to torment him. He was pleading for any kind of relief, and so one of the servants thought of David who played the harp that could bring him some relief. So they called David forward, and he plays the harp, and it relieves Saul, and he loves David so much that he makes him one of his armor bearers. Again, can you imagine David in that moment being called forth to the king whose place you, just, you were anointed to take? Saul doesn't know that yet. And yet he shows up, and he serves him, and he serves him well. He trusts in the process. So then we get to the main story, one you've probably heard several times, the story of David and Goliath. And spoiler alert, David kills Goliath. But that's not what I want to talk about today. I feel like God has something for us in the moments that led up to that. So we read in chapter 17 that three of David's older brothers followed Saul into this war against the Philistines. And one morning, David's father, Jesse, sends David out to the front lines to check on his brothers to see how they're doing and bring them some provisions. So we pick up this story in 1 Samuel 17, verse 23. And it says, As he was walking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen this giant, the asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending the defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that's the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother heard David talking to the men, he was angry. Now listen, he says, what are you doing around here anyway? Anyway, he demanded, what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? Typical older brother. I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done, David says. I was only asking a question. So he walks over to some others and asks the same thing and receives the same response. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. You see, the world has a different interpretation of you sometimes. And if you're not careful, you're going to let that interpretation overshadow your truth. Were his brothers not in the same room the day that David was anointed king? You see, what they were calling pride was a fulfillment of David's purpose. How David responded in that moment, it mattered. He didn't allow his brothers to label his trusting of the process as pride, and he persisted. How many times do we do that as moms? Do we allow those labels to be worn as unwanted sashes, throughout our days. And it's really subtle. For me, I wake up in the morning from my little baby alarm clocks. I can't think of the last time I set an alarm. They just barge in at 6 AM. And I grab my phone, and maybe I open up my social media, and I'm flooded by these picture-perfect portraits of moms feeding their picture-perfect, already-dressed, hair-done kids these beautiful breakfasts while she's squeezing her orange juice in her Peloton attire, because she already squeezed in the class. And I'm lucky if my kids don't chuck their granola bar at my head, because today they don't like chocolate chip. It's only chocolate brownie, and how dare I? And so it continues as I go to the grocery store, and I see a mom, well-dressed, with her kid, well-behaved. I'm scooting along with my daughter, with you know, my messy, hot mess, top, net, top knot, and my yoga pants that I've never really seen a yoga class. And uh, the sash of comparison falls from the ceiling, my clockwork. And then I get to lunchtime, where I've entered World War III because I gave my daughter the, pink, the green plate, and I know that her lunch does not taste as good on a, pink plate, on a green plate as it does on a pink plate. And Knox's favorite color is green, so how dare I give her anything green? Because until further notice, everything green goes to Knox. And so the plate crisis of 2021 gets resolved, and I'm winded, and I find a moment, flip on the TV, and I see a mom making her kids a perfectly well-balanced meal, straight from Top Chef, and I glance back at my kid's plate of reheated mac and cheese from I don't know when, And chips and cheese, because that's all my daughter will eat. And the sash falls like clockwork. And then, at this point of the day, I'm unconsciously tangled in judgment as I try to go about my day just keeping my kids alive, trying to find some fun in the midst. And I break up fight number seven between the boys. I count to three for the 33rd time. And I go on a scavenger hunt for the world's smallest figurine that my daughter has to have before she can take a nap. And the day continues, and I find myself, at the end of the day, getting ready for bed, weighted down by judgment, disappointment, comparison, and whatever other sash falls upon me. And I'm defeated. I don't know if any of you can relate. You see what I missed earlier that morning after the granola bar hit my head was the snuggles with my daughter. And I missed the jokes with my sons over breakfast because I was too busy being disappointed with what I could have done. And I missed how cute my daughter was making conversations with every stranger in the grocery store because I was trying to make a beeline for the door in my morning attire of shame and comparison. You see, David could have missed out on his giant killing moment that day. Had he taken what his brothers had labeled as pride and returned home. Yet he was trusting in the process and the purpose that was inside of him. His purpose that day outweighed how others perceived him. So we continue to read in verse 32 where he meets up with Saul. It says, Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this with both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You see, what David did in the field as a shepherd prepared him that day for the battle. All of those nights he probably dreaded heading back out to watch the sheep due to the battle with the lion the night before was only prepping him for a bigger battle. What he had been through mattered, and he was now being made aware of it. So Saul finally consents, and he says, All right, go ahead, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistines. You see, David already had what he needed to defeat Goliath that day. He felt called to fight this giant, and he was already equipped. Sometimes we think that God calls us and then we have to wait to be equipped or there's some sort of like strategy that comes after it. But he calls you already equipped. You already have what you need. In fact, for David, they were all things from shepherding days that were the catalyst in defeating him. Again, David had a decision to make. Does he walk out in this unfit armor with these clothes that don't fit and fight the giant he felt destined to fight? Or does he trust that what he has is enough, and what he has been through will only propel him through this fight. What you're doing in this season of struggle, of chaos, of tragedy, it matters, and it will only be used as life-saving tools in the next battle, the next giant that you face. You just have to be willing to take off that unfit armor, though the armor that was never intended for you, and walk out in faith and awareness that you are exactly the mother your kids need. And you're the wife your husband deserves. You're the coworker worth befriending. You are enough. And you're doing enough. And you are seen. Your journey has a purpose. You're not forgotten in it. David fought Goliath, as the anointed king. David fought Goliath with the pep talk from his brothers beforehand. And I'm sure when David was anointed king that day, he did not think that his journey to kingdomship would be like this. They estimated about 15 years from when he was anointed king to when he became king. Your mother, maybe you find yourself in that boat today too as a mom. Your motherhood journey, it's not what you envisioned. Maybe the timeline is off. Maybe your patience isn't there. Maybe it's more exhausting than you thought it would be. But if you would trust the process and see the purpose in the pain and not allow shame or fear or whatever title adorn you anymore, maybe the Holy Spirit would be louder than those labels. And maybe your journey would feel a little more clearer a little more directed like your south star what you've been through only makes your north star brighter you see david's life laid the foundation for the birth of christ and what you're doing now is laying the foundation for greater things to come i've had a lot of conversations with other moms In the middle of this pandemic and everything else going on in the world about how hard it is to raise kids and how tough it is going to be for them and how thankful that i didn't have to have social media in middle school and high school i mean it was rough enough and then i came across this post and i want to share it with you it says don't feel sorry for fear for your kids because the world they're going to grow up in is not what it used to be god created them and called them for, the, for this exact moment in time they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith, knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know that they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful or disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all of history was placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. God knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. In fact, he created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniels, raise Davids, raise Esthers, raise Peters. God is not scratching his head wondering what he's gonna do with the mess of the world. He has an army he's raising up to drive back the darkness and make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fears steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet little babies. And we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them. But they were born for such a time as this. And I want to share a little personal thing with you. And I will. I am determined not to cry this time. Two, sir. Two services down, and I cried. But I, I'm feeling good about this one. But I lost both my two of my grandparents over the course of a year and a half. And as we were rummaging through their stuff, I was mostly excited to get their Bibles. They were both pastors, served for decades in this community, and I knew that their Bibles had to hold like some of their greatest thoughts. And of course, my humble grandpa. Permanent, sharpied every comment he made in his Bible and commentaries. I was so mad. So I'm gonna have to take that up with him later. And my grandma had some good thoughts, and it's just it's a treasure. It really is. And I was inspired to make my Bible a journal for my kids. And over the course of my lifetime, I hope to have many that they can each take and. As I was writing this message, I thought like a glimpse in the future of Hunter coming home from school someday, feeling defeated, or like some kids labeled him something that he's not. And I want the Bible to be a source of truth for him, that when he comes comes home confused, maybe defeated from a game or whatever, that he could come back to God's word and what it says about him. And I prayed over each of my kids. And God, remind me of, especially when they're hard, remind me of who you created them to be. Help me to see my kids through your eyes. And so I wrote something to each of them in here. And my hope is, is that in middle school, in high school, in college, when Hunter has a bad day or feels like, man, something is off, that he could go to the Word, And maybe see that note from me that reminds him of who he is. And so I want to share that with you. It says, Hunter, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God created you with a heart of empathy. You are full of passion. You see the brokenhearted. You hate injustice. You have a servant's heart and you will change the world with your hands and feet. You love hard and loyal. I tried. Okay. Worship will flow from your mouth. You will stand firm in your faith unapologetically. You won't mistake silence for absence because the Holy Spirit overwhelms your being. Your kindness holds the power to impact nations. And I share that with you because as moms and dads, we have this great responsibility to raise our kids, to know who they are, who God created them to be and to remind them when they can't remember themselves who they are but as moms we get these titles on us we get you know maybe your stories like mine where you kind of finally figure out who you are you get married and you get that title as wife and then you have kids and your title is mom and you're jake's wife and hunter's mom and tom's daughter and lisa's daughter do- and jeremy's sister and you're all of these things and you kind of forget who you are and you kind of forget who you are without them and so I was encouraged as I wrote this message to maybe do that for myself to ask God what do you see in me what's the truth about me who am I without all of these titles with all without all of the labels that fall on me who am I who do you say I am and so I'd encourage you to maybe some of the work that Danny alluded to, that you would do that, and that you would rediscover who you are without all of those labels. And as the band comes forward, there's this song. We're ending each sermon with a song through this series. And this song has been really powerful for me over the years. And it's called Prophesy Your Promise. And it's this idea of even in the middle of your mess, that you would remember God's promise for you and that there is a trusting in the process during that time and that you would take the time to take off the shame. And the Moms, we put so much on ourselves. You know, like maybe I need more of this or maybe I need more of that or maybe if I spent more time doing this or maybe if I did that and you're scrolling. Joy and comparison can't coexist. So you're wondering... Why don't I have joy? Where's my joy? Where's my joy? Put put the phone down. Put, fix your eyes on the cross. Fix your eyes on who God says you are, that you are enough. You are the mom your kids long for. There's a reason that when you have a baby and they put the baby on you, it's best for skin to skin because there's no barrier. There's no other weird fabric or smell or whatever. It's just you, raw, and your baby. That's just what they need. You know, they don't need a perfect mom. They need a present mom. They don't need a successful dad. They need a dad that shows up. And I just pray that over while this song plays that you would begin to let some of those labels go. So can I pray for you guys? God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that on Mother's Day we get to celebrate moms from all different phases of motherhood God I pray for those who have been dreading this day for whatever reason God I pray that you would begin to take off those labels maybe it's perfection maybe it's comparison maybe it's you name it I pray that they would lay it down at your cross God they would exchange it for what you are giving to us freely: for grace for mercy for love for acceptance God, and as the song plays, that they would begin to lay those down and the weight of the world would come off their shoulders. And I thank you, God, that you're here in this room and that all of these people that showed up today, God, they were worth showing up for, God, that you have something for them. And so we give you this time. Amen.
1: ball with the weight of your truth, and the fear that gripped my heart was arrested. trust you in the process I believe you god is that I take Looked like it would never end. He said, watch the giants fall in the will prophesy a promise i believe you god because you finish what you start and i will trust you in the process i believe you
0: before you again and we thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross so that we could exchange those labels we could send fear and shame at the foot of the cross and exchange them for grace and love and mercy and i pray that people would leave this room feeling a little more lighter a little more hopeful a little more trusting that where they're at in this process that the end of it is no surprise to you the middle of it's no surprise to you where they have come from is no surprise to you and that you've equipped them to be who they are at this moment in time and they're more than enough for their kids they are more than enough for their husbands they are more than enough for their friends and i pray that you would just help them leave with that truth And that they would leave the lies and take the truth and be reminded that we belong to you. And we're so thankful for that. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. If I could give all of you moms the gift of time in a clean house and time away. For some reason, Mother's Day is always spent with your kids. But Father's Day is out golfing for five hours with no kids. I think maybe we should start a Kessed Women's Golf League, actually. I mean, the outfits are pretty cute, but um, instead we have coffee carts for you. Would you grab one at the door and have a free coffee on us? And happy Mother's Day. Have a good Sunday.